0: Episode 78, Jeff Gotthelp, author of books including his latest, Forever Employable.
1: Yeah, it's interesting to call it your favorite mistake because, you know, you think, I think about it and it's, it's, it's super cringy. And uh, it's one of those things like you learn. you learn from these things, right?
0: I'm Mark Rabin. This is my favorite mistake. In this podcast, you'll hear business leaders and other really interesting people talking about their favorite mistakes, because we all make mistakes. But what matters is learning from our mistakes instead of repeating them over and over again. So this is the place for honest reflection and conversation, personal growth and professional success visit our website at myfavoritemistakepodcast.com. For show notes, links, and more, you can go to markgraven.com slash mistake78. And we're joined today by Jeff Gotthelf. He is, among other things, a co-author of books. Um, He's co-author of Sense and Respond, Lean UX, and Lean versus Agile versus Design Thinking. And he's got a new book titled Forever Employable, How to Stop Looking for Work, and let your next job find you. So uh, again, amongst the different things Jeff does, he recently co-founded a publishing house called Sense and Respond Press. That's uh, for modern transformational business books. So Jeff, uh, thank you for joining us. How are you? I'm great, Mark. Uh, nice to see you again. And it's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, well, I want to um, you know, learn more about your, your book and your other work, but we, we generally dive right in. So I guess I'll ask from your work experiences, what would you consider to be your favorite mistake, Jeff?
1: Yeah, it's interesting to call it your favorite mistake because you know you think I think about it. And it's 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 super cringy, and uh, it's one of those things like you, you learn from these things, right? Assuming assuming <laughs> your, your your ego and your business recovers from them, which generally speaking, it should. You learn from them, and it's super cringy. But um, so this was right. This was five years ago. And it's, it's, it's scarred me so much that I think about it a lot, actually, because five years ago is when I took my business out on its own. The previous four years, I had built my business inside a services business that I was building with some colleagues. And then when we sold that, um, the buyer didn't want my little bit of the business. And so I took it out and I got a new client. It was a traditional um, American department store, retail store, one of the big ones. and. They had asked me to come in and do a five-day training with their entire product development department, so so product design, engineering, everybody in the same place. It was a big engagement. It was a high-dollar engagement, and part of it was an upfront discovery phase, sort of kind of classic consulting discovery where you come in, you do some interviews, you do some maybe some retrospectives. You synthesize all your findings, and then you read it back out to the team, not only to kind of give an external perspective on what's going on, but also to help you prepare the training a bit more effectively, right, to address the actual problems on the ground rather than a hypothetical generic set of problems. And so I did that, and I I spent about a month doing the work, and I synthesized the report. And uh, this was kind of my first, it wasn't my first consulting gig. Obviously, I've been consulting for a while. It was the first one on my own, and I was really trying to make a name for myself And one of the things that I I struggle with personally is sugarcoating. I'm not particularly good at that. I've got a, um, you know, I'm going to call it like I see it, as they say. And and I I wrote the report and I um, I sent it over, and I guess. I guess they didn't really read it so, so there, was two, there was a two-parter right there was send over the report and then do a call with my project sponsors and their bosses and whoever else would join the conference call as well and I guess they didn't really read the report prior to the call I, I didn't make sure that they had read it I didn't I didn't send a draft in advance and so I sent it and then I get on this call and I, I start going through the report and and it's it was fairly brutal i mean they, they were they were pretty broken there, there was, a, was a it was a fairly autocratic um, heavy engineering top-down kind of shop we're going to build this these things because we think this is the best thing to build and customers be damned and you know forget testing and learning and design that's all stuff that can get cut out of the backlog and and so i kind of you know told us like this is this is an anti-pattern this is causing you to have these kinds of challenges with your customers etc i'm seeing these kind of politics eroding and um at some point my project sponsor cut the call short so i'm going through my delivery and he's like jeff he's like we're gonna have to we're gonna have to cut the call short and i said okay i don't i, don't. I didn't really get why at first and so he cuts the call and he's like and he's like i'm gonna call you right back and then he called me right back after he gets everybody off the call. And he laid into me like, I mean, I, to, to, it's so visceral. Like to this day, I can still feel it like in my chest. Um, he, he's like, How could you do that? You're embarrassing all of us in front of our bosses. You're making us look awful, right? It's not that bad. Like on and on and on. Like the big boss was on the call. I mean, I just, and, and he's right. I made them look terrible in front of their bosses and uh he fired me on the spot like like that was it i I didn't come in i didn't i didn't i didn't do the training i didn't deliver the rest of the gig um and i took i took a severe uh lashing verbal lashing for that and um and i guess it's my favorite mistake because i've never i've never made that mistake again i've done that work multiple times since then but i've learned how to have the conversation in a, in a more constructive way, I suppose, is, is yeah. the best way to put it.
2: Well, yeah, and no, I'm sorry, you know, uh, gosh, I feel like I need to buy you a drink or something after, I mean, you know, <laughs> kind of dredging some of this up. Um, yeah, because, yeah, the, the, the intent and the goal of the podcast is, um, you know, to reflect on mistakes that we've learned from. And it, it's not, you know, I, I applaud you, for one, for sharing the story. And then secondly, it sounds like um, you know, to, to the point of never make, making that mistake again, um, learning from it. Can, can you go into a little bit more detail of maybe you know, some of the approaches you've taken to be a little bit more constructive or to think about the context of you know there's the report and there are facts and observations, and then the setting in which things are delivered and, and internal politics being what it is? Yeah. So, so look, I mean, there's a lot about language. So, first of all, in, in especially I mean, verbal obviously, but but also in written communications, there's a lot about language, right? So it sounds ridiculous and a little little cliche, maybe cheesy, right? But like instead of instead of sort of challenges in the organization, it's opportunities in the organization. That sounds, you know, you could smile, and you could laugh at that, and kind of wink, wink, kind of added. But but that's what it is. It's an opportunity for improvement, right? As opposed to a challenge. Here's some opportunities that we've seen where things could be a little bit better. Um, I think that like aggregating information as much as possible so that there can't be any specific finger pointing saying oh it was that guy who said it or she talked about me right so that that goes a long way Um, i think when presenting this there and 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 it's and i've gotten i've gotten much much better at it now thankfully over the years it's more about um here's what we're seeing right and and sort of instead instead you know from our perspective or seeing people do
1: this is that what you're seeing right? How is that working for you right From our perspective here's what we're seeing so th- there's a lot of a lot of sort of confirming those observations first so you're not you know shocking anybody with a new revelation they may not have heard about. Um, and I think that um, ultimately, Uh, When they come back to you with any kind of feedback, you can say, well, look, what I'm hearing you say, right, which is always a very, very popular phrase these days, but what I'm hearing you say is this. And then the other day, what I heard you say was this. And so can you help me reconcile those two things? Because as opposed to that's not what you said Friday. Right. And so that's uh, and, and so, again, it's 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 really about conversation mellowing it out. And I think really, truly being sensitive to the audience, right? So if it's you, if it's you and the the sponsor one-on-one in a room, you could probably be a bit more frank, right? If it's you and the sponsor and their team, you're not going to make them look like an idiot in front of their team, right? You're going to get fired and certainly not in front of their boss either. So it's, it's about reading the room and I've learned how to do that now.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Well, and, and, and again, the learning is, is key as opposed to stumbling through the same Mistakes. Sorry, I mean, you know, in an alternate universe or a different consultant might have come out of that experience saying, "Well, that client was terrible. Those people were immature. They were irrational," or pointing all sorts of fingers, and instead sort of stepping back and thinking about what you could do differently, um, you had mentioned earlier you didn't share a draft. Is is that something along the lines of when I think of of agile or lean startup, I think of iteration and I think of tests. Um, is is sharing a draft something that's more standard practice for you now? It is. It is absolutely. I mean, there's there's, hey, listen, here's what I'm seeing.
1: Take a look, right? Before before we distribute this more broadly, what do you think? And and really like starting to get some of that early feedback up front and and understanding how from directly from the client, how to better position this so that it's more ascensive. I mean, look, you you could you could argue that, well, Jeff, you're not telling, you're not telling the truth or your dumbing down the content or you're minimizing the impact that you might have on the organization and initially I kind of felt like that you know but I, th- I think in hindsight what I'm actually doing is I'm making I'm making my argument in a way where I stand a much better chance of actually it being heard
2: mm-hmm. well and, and I think that's a fair point and you know in, in recent years um, in fact I met uh, a social worker who was at Lean Startup Week a couple of years ago, and even though I'm doing improvement work in healthcare, and she was starting up a, a nonprofit using Lean Startup methods, we were talking, and you know, she t- uh, said, "I think you'd be interested in learning about an approach called motivational interviewing, which has its roots in counseling, which is her world as a a social worker." But one of the key takeaways from from me as as an engineer and and thinking about Having the right answer versus being effective like what 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 really is your goal is it is it to be right or is it to help somebody change and so whether you know and there are lessons that therapists have had to learn and I think you know myself as a consultant um, I don't think that's dumbing it down but thinking about effectiveness if you get kicked out and that ends the conversation that's you know that probably wasn't yeah. good for that client right?
1: no no that that was that was bad for everybody
0: in, in that in that situation yeah, but you know one other thing that you you reminded me of when I think of um, being around hospitals in the in the language that's used I've been in um uh, training sessions where nurses or, or people lower in the hierarchy um are taught they're not just lectured, you should speak up to a doctor or a surgeon using language like "I have a concern uh-huh. can be really helpful because that that's a fact based Statement And you could learn then from discussion that the concern is unfounded or yeah, there actually is basis uh, for, for the concern or, or the other one that comes up a lot is, well, help me understand. Like if you disagree with somebody, help me understand why you think, or see then the word, the word why gets loaded. So maybe there, you know, yeah. <laughs> there, there are words that trigger people. And, and I guess that's a good thing to reflect on. Um. But so um, kind of moving beyond um, you know, the story and, and the consulting that you do, Jeff, I want to talk about um, the, the, your new book, Forever Employable, um, again, the subtitle, How to Stop Looking for Work and Let Your Next Job Find You. What was, was some of the origin story of the book? Was it based off of job search mistakes um, for yourself or that you saw from others or, or what, what led to
2: the book? So the book came from a series of ongoing inbound requests over the last five years of people asking me how I built my business, how I get speaking gigs, how I got a book deal, um, that type of thing. And you know, after a while, right? This is a signal
1: from the market, right? There's 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 an inbound um, unsolicited flow of requests saying we'd like to know this story. And I was thinking about it for a long time. And it's kind of an item in my backlog for a long time. And I wasn't sure exactly how I was going to share it. Was it going to be a medium piece or a blog post or something? And then I decided to write a book about it because I really felt like there was an opportunity to not only share the story, but anything that I ever write or produce is always practical and tactical. And you can use it immediately after you read the book and apply apply the things in there. And so I wanted to, to really help folks. Reduce their stress and reduce their anxiety when it comes to career growth and development job seeking job hunting professional development that type of thing um, there is a a target reader persona in my mind of essentially it's it's well to be to be perfectly honest it was uh, it's my my best friend my best friend is the same age as me. 25-year um, veteran of IT, right? He's been climbing the corporate ladder. Sort of every move was like a little bit more money, a little bit more responsibility, a few more people to manage. Kind of doing doing the things that we've been we've been told to do. But every time that there's a merger, an acquisition, a layoff, a market crisis, a pandemic, you name it, he panics. It's like, Crap! I got to get my resume together. I got to start applying for jobs. And and for me. Um, I don't feel that panic. And I haven't felt that panic in in at least eight years at this point in my life. And and so, one of the things that I I wanted to help him and the readers with was to help them understand how to build, how to create a situation where you're leveraging your expertise and your experience and your reputation to build a safety net around yourself. And that safety net is, is a platform of thought leadership that's designed to work like a magnet and a a magnet that pulls opportunities towards you. Now, some of those opportunities are gonna be new jobs or or gigs, but some of those are going to be speaking gigs, book deals, writing gigs, podcast guests, whatever it is. But all of that is designed to, to kind of grow your presence so that you don't have to explicitly push yourself out into the market on a regular basis, but instead you've created this pull system That's continuously attracting things towards you.
0: And so that reminds me a little bit of um, companies like HubSpot or more broadly, like an inbound marketing
2: methodology that a lot of companies use. Um, Instead of pushing your company, um, you you grow your presence, as as you put it. And that can be through blog posts and and, and newsletters and uh, podcasts and free
0: content. That establishes thought leadership or something approaching that, whatever that phrase thought leadership means. Does that seem like a, a reasonable um, uh,
2: parallel to draw? Or wordy? absolutely. I mean, look, there's some there, there are a lot of phrases. Yes, there's a lot of phrases around this. And, and so thought leadership is one, personal branding is the other. Dory Clara calls it recognized expertise. I mean, it's basically the same thing, right? You're saying, look, here's what I know, here's what I'm good at, here's how I can help you, and I'm proactive. Not only that. I'm helping you right now. Proactively sharing my expertise with you through whatever channels I believe will reach you the most in the, in the most effective way, so that when you need this, I'm top of mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and
0: um, I think a lot of you know, a, lot, a lot of people, um, you know, stereotyping, but you know, with technology backgrounds or engineering backgrounds, um, like myself included, we'll, we'll say, like, you know, we, we don't want to be salesy. And like, i found personally, um, you know, sh- the, the, the comfort level of saying, well, I want to share information with you. And if that builds a relationship, and then at some point you want to work with me, that feels more comfortable, um, or maybe I should just find somebody to, to do more um, outbound uh, type, type sales. But um, yeah, I mean, uh, it, I think, you know, a lot of times it's, it's um, more comfortable to say, I've I've got knowledge or ideas I don't want to share, as opposed to "quote unquote" selling um, in a in a more explicit way.
1: No, it's, listen. I mean, it, in many ways, I mean, this this is and, and look, I hate selling. Like, I I hate this. I hate being on sales calls. Not not because I don't like talking to people. I just don't. I don't enjoy the the chase and the negotiation aspect of it. And I think a lot of people feel that way. This is this is exactly that. This 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 kind of reverses that. And instead of you having to go out there and be like, hey, Mark, I got this great thing. You wanna buy it? Right. And so you're saying you're saying, hey, Mark, here's what I learned at work last week. Here's what I learned at work this week. Right? Here's something that I tried and, and, and kind of kind of didn't work out, but I learned something from it. And so I'm gonna try something different next week. And then next Mark's like, hey, I need somebody who knows something about uh, you know lean startup, and be like, Oh, that guy Jeff, he keeps sharing about that stuff. I'm gonna I'm gonna reach out to him, see if he knows anybody, right? And and so all of a sudden, you're not doing any of that proactive selling it the the leads do come in and and it does absolutely work and 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 look again i am certainly not unique in this and i'm certainly not the most successful at this but nevertheless there is a there's a the the folks who have particularly now in in kind of this pandemic reality that we're living in the folks who are thriving the folks who are not panicking are the ones who have built this platform because they're continuing to drive in these inbound opportunities.
0: Yeah. And sometimes those inbound opportunities, you know, in my experience, someone will reach out and say something in the effect of like, well, you know, you're, you're probably really busy right now, but you know somebody who could help with such and such. And if circumstances are such where I said, well, you know, actually I've got some capacity, maybe, you know, uh, we, I could help you with this, that, that has led to an opportunity. Um, and there's something to be said to be, a helpful resource when it's not a good fit or when you don't have the time because that builds
2: and strengthens that relationship for the future. Absolutely, I mean, look one of one of the things that that I've done that's been one of the more, uh, in fact, one of the most successful things that I've, I've, I've created in the last five years since I've been officially self-employed um, is a community of like employed and uh, like employed individuals like myself. So. Typically, they're solopreneurs, um, consultants, coaches, trainers, speakers, authors, that type of thing, who are in, in either exactly in my my area or in, in adjacent markets. And all of us are learn from each other, build off of each other, refer work to each other, and those relationships grow and thrive from there to the point where that has become one of the most valuable. Um, assets in my in my professional life, but also my personal life too, because I consider these folks my friends. Yeah, yeah. So one other thing I want to touch on um, before we end is you know going back to work that you've done. Like I've seen you speak at um, you know Lean Startup Week, and you've done work you know with Agile and, and um, other related methodologies related to startups, entrepreneurship, and um, you know as you said uh, uh, on your website, and you know uh, too much money. Too much time is wasted on ideas that don't work. So that evaluation at some point of like, well, that didn't work. That product, that business, we could call that a mistake. But I'm curious from your experience, you know, what what do you see that's helpful in kind of striking the balance of saying, well, we learn from mistakes. We might want to mitigate the risk As you know, if we want to completely eliminate mistakes, we would never try. So we're like, where where do you see entrepreneurs? finding um, a balance that's that's helpful to me the
1: magic ingredient if there is one magic ingredient to make this mindset shift stick it's humility and (laughs) entrepreneurs aren't exactly known for having tons of humility I think those that do Are the ones that ultimately succeed. Now, I want to be clear about what humility is, right? Humility is not the abdication of vision. And it's not the abdication of leadership either, right? So if you're if you're a manager or or an executive, right, it, it doesn't mean that you're giving all that up. Humility simply means that while you may have strong opinions based on your experience and your expertise, you're willing to change your mind in the face of evidence. That's it. That's all there is to it. So look, I have have a lot of expertise in particular fields. I go out there, I try something, and if it fails miserably, I will admit that it failed and I will learn why it failed and I will try something different the next time. That's the missing ingredient for a lot of these folks is to to make this stick, is to be able to say I was wrong. And, And I learned something and we won't do it, we'll do it differently the next time. And I think that's the key. That's the key. And I think people are scared of the word because I, I do believe that people don't really know what it means. I think they, they believe that it, it it means that they become sort of subservient or I'll just, well, consensus driven. Right. And, and again, I don't believe that that's true. I just believe that, that you're, you're simply being, you're simply admitting that in, if, if the market refutes your idea, you're willing to admit it. That's yeah. it.
0: Well, and, and to me, one of the things that makes the lean startup lean, or it puts the lean in lean startup, is this notion of humility. I've, you know, there's a great book um, that I love on the shelf behind me called Toyota by Toyota. It's a series of essays written by different uh, Toyota North America leaders. And uh, in the very first chapter, and boy, they emphasize this a lot and mentors I've worked with, leading with humility. Mm-hmm. Or there's there's an expression Um, You know, uh, it's often attributed to Gary Convass, who's an American who shifted from the Detroit automakers to Toyota. You know, you would say lead as if you have no authority. Mm -hmm. It doesn't. So to your point, you're not abdicating um, decision making responsibility, um, but we're, we're relying less on autocratic hierarchy. Um, as a leader, as we're going through and learning and and, and framing experiments, which again, to me is very Toyota-like, even though that's a manufacturing setting, shifting from being um, so anchored in what I know versus what we're going to go discover or what we're going to test, I think is a really powerful mindset shift. And look, and what you're doing in that sense as a leader is
1: you're modeling the behavior so that the people who work with you and for you see that it's okay to behave that way as well. And so all of a sudden, that humility drives learning, right? And so all of a sudden, the capacity, the psychological safety for learning starts to cascade down through the organization as well. And so there's there's so much value in this, and it's still such a, a missing quality in, in a
2: lot of the folks that are uh, or the organizations that I work with. So uh, I'd, lo- I'd love to see more of it. Sure. And it's kind of final thought I'll throw at you is, yeah, it's an interesting combination of like having enough ego to go and take the risk of starting something, but yet having enough humility to learn from what you're doing. That's a unique combination. For sure. For sure.
1: It's, it's tough. It, it's, it, it's, it's a tough balance, but, um, and look, we all love our ideas, right? I think my ideas are awesome. I think all of them are awesome. Right. But if, <laughs> they don't work at some point you have to let them go. Sure. Sure.
0: Well, uh, again, our guest today has been, um, Jeff Gotthelf. Uh, his most recent book again is forever employable, how to stop looking for work and let your next job find you. So it's available, um, all the places you would find books and Jeff, um, tell the listeners, uh, your
2: website where they can learn more about the book and you and your work. Absolutely. Jeff So easy, easy to find. Um, Uh, gothealth.co will take you there as well. Everything's there, books, videos, articles, resources, links to everything. And please, please do connect with me on LinkedIn. I'd love to see you there as well. Okay, well, great. And I'll make sure that link is in the show notes, JeffGotHealth.com. Jeff, Jeff, really good talking to you. And thanks uh, for being a guest, sharing your story, sharing your reflections. Really appreciate it. My pleasure, Mark. Thanks so much.
0: Well, thanks again to Jeff for being such a great guest. For links to all of his books and show notes and more, you can go to slash mistake 78. And I hope this podcast inspires you to reflect on your own mistakes and how you can learn from them or turn them into a positive. I've had listeners tell me they've started being more open and honest about mistakes in their work, and they're trying to create a workplace culture where it's safe to speak up about problems because that leads to more improvement and better business results. If you have feedback or a story to share, you can email me, podcast at gmail.com. And again, our website is myfavoritemistakepodcast.com.